So last week, in Jesus Gets in the Game, Jesus went to his home synagogue in Nazareth and began to teach. It didn't go really well. The teaching went really well. The reception of the folks didn't go so well. And this is very characteristic of how Luke tells his story, the Gospel of Luke. He tells us in general about Jesus doing something, like in chapter 4. He said, and Jesus was teaching in the synagogues and doing miracles around Galilee. And then he shows him teaching in a synagogue. And there was something really key that's important for us to get that we want to go back to last week because it's really essential. And that is, is that Jesus used that time in the synagogue to define what his ministry was going to be about. It was his turn to read. He opened up the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he read these words. And I'll repeat them again for us this week in case we don't have them memorized. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Watch, there's going to be a word that's going to appear in all three sections of this. So, good news to the poor. He says, He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So two things that I think we really need to get out of this to get the picture of Jesus that Luke is trying to develop. One is, do you notice the way the word proclaim, proclaim, proclaim appears in all three of those? Watch in the passage that we're going to look at today, which is the event that happens a week later in Jesus' life. You're going to see a huge emphasis on Jesus' message, and you're going to see a huge emphasis on what he says. But the other thing that we're going to see today in the two episodes that are linked that we're going to look at is what we have highlighted here, the idea that the oppressed, the prisoners, are going to be set free. He's not going to go to any jails, but by the end of this story, two people are going to be set free. So here's what happens. The very next week, he goes down to Capernaum, which is the town that was referenced last week. It's about 35 miles away. And he goes there, and on the Sabbath, he begins to teach the people. So it's a week later, and he's in the synagogue doing the same thing he did the week before. And I just want to highlight one thing. Notice that Luke assumes that we know where Galilee is, but he doesn't assume that we know where Capernaum is. You know, so he doesn't say, doesn't tell you where Galilee is. He just assumes that you know that. And it's important to pay attention to that. What does the author assume that I know, and, and what does he tell me? So this gives us some clue into what he wants us to look at. So Jesus is teaching, and he's rolling along, and the people are amazed at his teaching because his word had authority. I, I highlighted that because I actually changed that slightly from... If you have an NIV um, translation, which is what we're using, it's actually plural in your Bibles. It says his words. But in the original language, it's singular. And the translators are saying that's kind of weird, so we'll, we know it means his words. But Luke is doing something on purpose here that I think it's important to notice. It's not Jesus' words that he uses short words or long words or pretty words or something like that. It's his message. It's the quality of the story that Jesus is telling and the story that Jesus is living out. That's what amazes the people here, okay? And this word amazed is going to pop up three different ways in the passage, so watch for this. So the people are amazed, and he's rolling along, and then something happens. A guy jumps up who is demonized. 
the text says that he has an unclean spirit, a demon. And he begins to shout at Jesus in a loud voice. It, it actually says a mega voice in, in Greek. And he says, hey! Or ha, or it's actually ya in the original language. What business do you have with this Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? We know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Now, if you've seen this movie before, if you were one of Luke's original readers, or somebody that was contemporary to him, what you would expect next is if Jesus had chops as a guy who could handle demons, is he would immediately go into like some kind of spell, or he would do some kind of big deal prayer, or he'd do a sacrifice, or burn incense. But there would be some kind of incantation, or some kind of ritual, or some kind of spell that Jesus would do. But instead, what Jesus does is this. None of that. None of that. In fact, all he does is he speaks. And he tells the demon to be quiet and come out of him. That one's especially good, isn't it? The little Lego <laughs> ghost demon guy. I, I, I really like that one. Um. Jesus doesn't do any of the expected stuff. He doesn't need that kind of game because he has authority. And it's the authority of his words. It's the authority of, and it's not that his words are magic, but it's the authority of the way that his words connect with the message and the story that God is having him tell is enough for the demon to leave this particular guy. Now, when the demon comes out, again, if you knew this story, you would expect next was going to be a big special effects scene. Because typically, and, and there are some stories of demons being cast out of people that we have that are contemporaneous to the Bible, normally there would be a big wrestling scene where the guy casting the demon out would wrestle the guy who had the demon in him, or 12 people would have to wrestle him, and all kinds of crazy stuff would happen. And instead, this is what happens. Nothing. What Luke tells us is the guy did fall down, but then he was completely uninjured. That this is not a battle. This is not the expect, expected kind of showdown that ancient people would have expected. But because of the authority of Jesus' words, because of his story that he was living out, it doesn't happen. And he does it again. Sorry, Hannah. And notice, the people are saying what I'm saying. They are amazed and said to each other, what words, and again, it's singular, it's not plural, what word is this is what it actually says. With authority and power, he orders the impure, spirit, he orders the impure spirits, and they come out. Jesus didn't need a bag of tricks. He did exorcism without being an exorcist. Hey, that was pretty good. Huh? All right. So he, he does this, and, and now watch what's next, because Luke very quickly takes us into the next story. He leaves the synagogue, and he goes to the house of Simon. Um, now, here's another way, thing where Luke assumes that we know something. Simon is going to be a big deal in the Gospel of Luke. This is a guy who gets called Peter. Luke assumes that we know who Simon is. He doesn't introduce us. He doesn't tell us who he is, which is a good example of how the Gospel of Luke kind of assumes that you already know the story, 
And what it's doing is retelling the story for you in a new way. And so he just assumes that we know who Simon is. So they go to Simon's house, and when they get there, his mother-in-law is suffering from a high fever, and they ask Jesus to help. Um, I highlighted the word suffering because I normally don't like to do this. You know what it really says in Greek? Well, what it really says in Greek the vast majority of the time is what it says in English. But there's a nuance here that I think is important to see. The word is actually bound or is controlled with a big fever is what it says. And what Luke is wanting to do is to show the connection between this, the way this woman is bound by her fever and the way that the man with the demon was bound by the demon and that both of them are examples of the way that Jesus has come to set free the captives, to set the prisoners free. Luke's very consciously trying to guide us in that direction. And so they asked Jesus to help. And what we would expect at this point, again, from the healing stories that we have contemporaneous to Jesus, is that Jesus would say a particular prayer. He would have her drink something nasty. He would burn a little incense, maybe dance around a little bit. But instead, he just stands over her and rebukes the fever, and it left. And I highlighted rebuked because it's very similar to the language that he used with the demon in the previous story. Again, Luke wants us to see both of these as signs of when Jesus' kingdom is present, anything that constrains us, anything that binds us, anything that holds us back or holds us down is broken. That Jesus' message has power over that. And then he also adds this really interesting detail. She got up and once again began to wait on them. Now, people look at this different ways. I've heard people say, now, isn't this a great example of how God made women to take care of men and all of this? And you No, know, man. Um, what, what's happening here is Luke knows his readers are probably wondering, is this really a miracle or not? Did Jesus just show up right at the point that the fever broke and he gets credit for doing a miracle. And you guys have probably seen this when you've prayed for somebody that's really sick and they do get better in a way that seems kind of miraculous. You're wondering, well, did it just get better at the time I prayed or did my prayer cause it to happen? Well, some of you have probably had a big fever, right? And your fever breaks, you feel a lot better. But are you ready to get up and run around and start working? No, no, you are not. So part of what I think Luke puts this in here is he wants us to know that Jesus is not just like slick or he does some kind of weird hypnosis with people. She's actually healed, that this was a miracle. And he adds some other details in what happens immediately after, I think, to make that point. Um, at sunset, so this is the Sabbath. People can't travel. So at, at sunset, when the Sabbath is over, because they, they, their day goes from sun, sunset to sunset, so it's the next day, officially. People can travel. They bring to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Now, in their world, people that were healers used to, usually had a specialty. Oh, this guy handles eye issues. This guy handles headaches. This guy handles tummy aches or something like that. This, Luke is trying to tell us Jesus is not that kind of healer. And in fact, it's comprehensive. If Jesus just got lucky with Simon's mother-in-law, there's no way his luck is going to continue to run and he's going to be able to heal everyone who comes alongside 
all at once. So Luke is trying to tell us this is real. This is what Jesus does. He has the ability to heal all of these folks. But then we get a similar reaction to finally tie the stories together. As these people are being healed, there's other people around who have demons. And the demons come out of them and they start shouting. They said, you're the son of God. But he rebukes them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Now, if you've read this before, this is kind of weird, right? Every time Jesus shows up, you would think, if I'm a demon and Jesus shows up, I'm going to try to keep it on the down low. I'm going to try to hope he doesn't notice me. But instead, the demons, every time Jesus shows up, they start shouting, oh, you're the Messiah, you're the Holy One of God. We know who you are. So what are they doing here? Well, there's, there's two things that are happening. One is, is they are trying to get Jesus in trouble with the Romans. See, not only does Jesus know where this story is going, but the demons have some sense of where this story is going to. And the Romans had their eye out for anybody claiming to be the Messiah, the Son of God, the Holy One of God. They wanted to shut that down. They didn't want any Messiahs running around Galilee or Judea. And so by spreading word that Jesus was that guy, the demons are trying to get Jesus in trouble with the Romans and cut his ministry off before it even gets going. But the other thing that they're doing is related to that, and it's, and it's related to the key thing that we're seeing today. They're trying to change the story. They know where this story goes. They know that the main power that Jesus has is his word. It's his message. And they're trying to mess it up. You know, as John talked about last week, that people had clear expectations for who Jesus was supposed to be. And one of the reasons the folks in Nazareth got so unhappy was that he was violating those expectations. He was breaking those expectations. Well, now, they're trying, Jesus is trying to very carefully develop who he is and what it means to be the Son of God, what it means to be the Messiah. And the demons see this, and they're trying to mess it all up. They're trying to get that word out there before Jesus can finish the conversation and finish where he's going with his story, with his message, and with his word. And John's going to pick it up at this point and talk about precisely that, where this word is going. One of the things that as I read the text and um, was talking to Bob about it is this idea of messages. All around us, especially in America, where we have access to so many different types of media and so many different types of input and all this kind of stuff, is this idea that there are messages everywhere. When you turn on your television, it's just a series of messages. And whatever show, maybe the show you're watching, embedded in that is a message. Maybe the writers, even though, you know, whatever's happening, or it's a, maybe it's just a sitcom or whatever, oftentimes you'll find in that sitcom, there's this underlying message that the writers want you to get. And certainly when you um, watch television and you actually sit through a commercial, those messages are pretty obvious, right? I mean, you know, you, you know if you're going to drink beer, you know, drink Dos Equis or whatever. See, I, I'm a slave to commercials. But, but I mean, that's, that's kind of the message. If you're going to drive a car, this is the car you're going to drive. You're too fat. You're too thin. You don't, I don't like your hair, and nobody likes your hair unless you use these products. Or you need a raise, or you need a promotion. You need to be educated. You, you, need, to, you need to do all these different kinds of things. All these messages just keep hitting and hitting and hitting. You get on the internet, and you read blogs, and every single one of those blogs has a message. And, and, and if we're not careful, we will be overwhelmed 
by messages. Some of us have messages that our families told us ever since we were little kids. We're not good enough, that we're a disappointment. Some of us, our loudest message is the message we're playing inside our own head. I should be farther along. I, I shouldn't be de- still dealing with this struggle. I, 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 should, I, should have, I should have married somebody different. I should have gotten married. I should never have gotten married. I, should have, I shouldn't have dated that. I shouldn't have lived through my 20s. That, if I could have just taken that back. You know, we have all these messages of regret sometimes. Just messages, 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 and they can be super, super loud. And so as I was reading this passage and as Bob kind of went through there's another message. And it's interesting the way Jesus kind of goes through that. I, I wanted to just not go back through all the scripture again, but just highlight some different things and then maybe draw some conclusions of how uh, we're, we're living our own lives. Going back to that first verse, then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee on the Sabbath, and he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words and I didn't do what Bob did, which is very, very terrible. He took the S off of it. And I, I, don't mess with the Bible. No, but, no, but he, was, he was right. That literally means his logos, his message, because his message had authority. And so when Jesus got up to talk, there was an authority behind it. It wasn't just, hey, you should try this or whatever. There was something else going on. And if you were growing up in that time, the message that you would hear, the loudest message, would be, we've got to get rid of the Romans. Some of us this week, depending on what happens in the news, the only message that's going through your mind is, what's happening to America? If we don't do this, we're going to... There's another message than that. There's another message. And so he goes, and they're they're amazed, because his message, his logos, his word is one that has authority. And so he goes in the synagogue and there's a man demon-possessed, which is kind of trippy if you think about it. They're essentially in church and there's like a demon-possessed person, which makes you kind of look around. You're like, oh, I don't know. You know, person sitting next to me. You know, it's kind of creepy, if you, you know. Like, ooh. What, what, is, what does the demon do? What's the demon's response? I mean, you know, I, you know, if I, were, I don't know. If I were a demon, I'd try to punch Jesus or kill him or whatever. He shouts. Look what it says. It says, in the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cries out at the top of his voice, loud, you know, in a demon voice. I know, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't, <clears throat> wow, yeah, strain my larynx, okay. I don't know, I would imagine that was a pretty good demon impersonation. I don't know, never talked to one, but, but that's the thing. At the top of his demon voice, he cries out. What does he want to do? He wants to drown out the message. Like Bob said, he wants to, no, 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 no. We're going to do this a different way. Let me ask you a question. Is there a message in your life right now that's just screaming at you? Maybe you turn on the, the news, you turn on Fox News. Let me tell you, Fox News has a message. CNN has a message. MSNBC has a message. Is that message just weighing you down with anxiety? That's not the Lord's message. Is there a message from your past, just screaming, shouting? That's not, that's not the Lord's message for you. And watch what Jesus does. This is so cool. 
This is why I love Jesus. Well, not the only reason, but one of them. He says, be quiet. Now there's an exclamation point, and so maybe he went, be quiet, or duh, you know. Just be quiet. Now listen, if you're like me, check this out. If you have a message that's screaming at you right now about your past or whatever, don't you think the solution to that message is to solve the problem they're screaming about? Like if you think to yourself, and, you're, 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 and the message in your mind is your family, maybe your extended family, they say you're, you know, you've never amounted to anything. So you think to stop that message, I need to do something to make them feel like, wow, he is something, I'll stop screaming that message. Or if their message is coming from a blog or the internet, you think to stop that message, we need to solve this problem. And Jesus just goes, be quiet. Be quiet. Maybe the solution for the message is just to shut it up, to turn it off, to shut it down, and to begin to look at the message Christ has for us. He says, come out of him. And the demon threw the man down. And I love this. Luke makes this special thing and without injuring him. Because remember, the demon's whole thing is, have you come to destroy us? And if you're sitting in the synagogue, you're like, whoa, this guy's got a Thor. I mean, what's happening? And the demon comes out, and the guy's just fine. Jesus basically says, you have no voice here. You have no voice here. I'm here. My message is here. It's a message of hope. It's a message that makes the blind see, that brings life. I would imagine that the loudest message in your life right now has nothing to do with life and sight and freedom and joy and peace and forgiveness. Have you ever noticed? I think the same's in the spiritual world. When you're in a group and somebody starts shouting, they're usually the ones that have the least logical argument. <laughs> like it's gotten emotional because they can't really defend themselves very well. And so that's, it's like the loudest person is the one that hasn't really thought it through well enough. And the quietest person is the one that's like, I mean, most of the time, you know, even the scripture says this, hey, be quiet and everyone will think you're really smart. <laughs> you know, the Bible says that. Why? Because that's usually the case. If I need to shout at you, there's a good chance that I'm defensive and emotional and I don't have a leg to stand on. I think that was the demon. I think the people in our society who are shouting the loudest don't really have much of a message to listen to. And so they think volume is going to take the place of quality. So he goes on. All the people, it says, they were amazed. What, what, what message is this? With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. That would be so freaky. I mean, honestly, think about it. They're no different back then than they are now. If somebody, you know, if my daughter Audrey all of a sudden starts going, ah, you were not, you know, and I'm like, be quiet, you know. Hey, wait, that is, no, okay, anyway. Uh, so it goes on, right? So the news about him spreads. Like this is a guy unlike anything we've ever seen before. And so Jesus leaves the synagogue and like Bob was reading, he goes to Simon's uh, mother-in-law's house and she's got this fever and so he rebukes it again with his words, with his message. The authority just from his words. It's all there. 
And she gets up. Now, Bob and I have different, you know, when you, we, we agree to disagree on this. I think the reason she got up and began to wait on them is that so we can look at it. And ladies, you can go, nothing's changed, right? You know, I mean, you can really identify with the Bible. Is it true you're sick? When the mom's sick, everyone's like, oh, no, oh, no, because nothing's getting done, right? They don't care about mom. They're just like, hey, who's going to, these underwear don't wash themselves. And then when she gets better, it's like, hey, what's for dinner, right? I, I think that's what Luke is doing. But so Bob and I were fighting about, about that the, the other day. But th- that's the thing, just his words, just his rebuke, just the message. I've come to release you from the other messages, essentially. I've come to set you free. It's funny to me that the Bible says that God talks in a still, small voice. We read about Elijah the other few months ago. It's like he wasn't in the rain, he wasn't in the wind, he wasn't in the earthquake, he wasn't in the fire. He's in the still, small voice. The one going, You know what I found in my life? Sin for me. Like, like as it kind of relates in my own life, if I really kind of narrowed it down to anything, it would just be believing the wrong message. I mean, sin for me is really believing, oh, I, I need to have that or else I won't. Or if I don't, then it won't. Or, or I mean, sin really becomes, I've, I've believed the wrong message. And oftentimes, God, in pulling me out of that sin or addressing me in that sin, doesn't just like come in and just be like, all right, dude, this is the last time. It's usually like, hey, hey, you don't, you don't need to strive after that. Be still and know that I'm God. And so we get to that other thing. Moreover, demons came out. Then what are they doing again? What are the demons doing again? They're shouting Causing a ruckus. Look at me. You're the son of God. But he rebuked them. And what? He wouldn't allow them to speak. That to me is so telling about how to get through, navigate all the messages we're receiving by all the different ways we receive them by text and email and internet and TV and billboards and all that kind of stuff. What message are they trying to tell me? And what does the message of the gospel have to say about that particular issue? So we get to this part. They tried to keep Jesus from leaving. Remember, we were in Nazareth. They were going to throw him over a cliff. But in Capernaum, Jesus is, this, is a, this meets all their expectations. Preaching with authority. He's got a message that's awesome. All this kind of stuff. And, 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 and so they're just like, dude, stay. They just had a huge wave of people healed, all of them, all various kinds of sicknesses. And they're like, man, this, this, I don't know what's wrong with Nazareth. This Jesus thing is, is fantastic. So they, they ask him to stay. And then Jesus says something that really, uh, as we were going over it this week, I, I think is the key to the whole thing. When you think about Jesus' ministry and you think about Jesus in your own life, how you think about what is Jesus' listen to this, what is Jesus' ministry in my life? If I wanted Jesus to stay, if he were here, what would I want him to do? See, oftentimes, like we talked about last week, we just want Jesus to spot us 
you know, we're lifting or whatever, and we just need a 10 pounds just to get it back up on the bar, and we're good to go. We, we think, hey, I'm not bound by anything. I'm not, I, I just need Jesus to get me that promotion, and then, dude, I'm, I'll let you know when I need you. There's people who need way more, Jesus. You go help them out. I, you know, I'm, I'm on my way. And so how we kind of answer the question of what, what, why do we want Jesus to stay really kind of gives us some insight into what message we're believing. I just want Jesus to heal my marriage. Okay. How does that fit in with the gospel? How does that fit in with the gospel message? Because here's what Jesus says, and this is just extraordinary. He says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom to the other towns also. Because this is why I was sent. He wasn't sent to heal people, although that was part of his ministry. He wasn't sent to feed people, although that was part of his ministry. Jesus was sent to bring the message of love from our Heavenly Father. Jesus was sent to bring the message of reconciliation between a people who have free will make mistakes, reconciling that to a perfect God who never makes mistakes. See, the message of the gospel is very, very simple. But it's hard to hear with all the other messages bombarding us day after day, night after night, page after page. The message of the gospel is this. that We were created in the image of God in order to have a relationship with God a perfect God, a loving God, an all-powerful God. And in order for that to be a truly loving relationship, God gave us free will, the ability to choose. And so we could choose to follow Him or we could choose not to follow Him. And when we go back to the very earliest people, God had one thing. Dude, you got the whole world, take care of it, it'll be cool, you run around naked, no worries, you're just jamming along, just don't eat that from that one tree, and like humans with free will, we're like, one tree, that's what I'm talking about, and, and we brought sin into the world. Now, we talk about, well, what, well why, why did God allow that? Why did he even have a tree? Because then we'd have no free will. And what we want is we want God to control other people's free will and kind of leave our free will alone, right? Why does evil happen in the world? Why didn't God do something? Oh, well, God's going to do something. No, 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 I want my own thing. You just stop them from doing the bad stuff. It just doesn't work that way. And so there was this separation. And so Jesus came, a perfect human, God in the flesh. And what Jesus knows and what I think these demons know is that he's got to make it. You look at Luke, the whole book of Luke, it's to get to Jerusalem, to get to Jerusalem, to get to Jerusalem. Why? To die for our sins so that we can get back into relationship with our Heavenly Father. So when Jesus says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns and villages, uh, to the other towns also, because this is why I was sent. And he kept preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Now, remember Bob talked about Galilee. This is Judea. Galilee's way up at the top. And there's Capernaum and Nazareth. And then you go all the way down to, Jer to Judea. What Jesus is saying, I've got to start to spread this message of hope to release the captives, 
to make the blind so that they can see again. And see, for all of us who've read the Bible, we know that, yes, Jesus can heal you of blindness, and he can heal you of paralysis. But more important, the reason Jesus was sent was to bring you back into relationship with him, to set you free from the thing that you are bound by. And I would bet that the thing you're bound by most is that loudest message in your life. I haven't made it as far as I should. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm a loser. I keep trying and failing. I'm clumsy, whatever. Or I need to be important. Or I need more power. Or if we don't do this, this is going to happen. All these loud voices. And Jesus says, I'm, I'm sent to set you free from that. So Paul, in Romans, talks about this just a little bit. This is several decades later. He writes this thing. He says, I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and foolish. In other words, everybody. That is why I'm so eager to preach this good news. Proclaim this gospel. Preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Why would Paul be so eager to do that? Because Paul understands just like then, just like now, there are other messages going out. Loud messages. Have you ever noticed that when the commercials come on, they're actually louder than the show you're watching? Like they're like, I don't have a dB meter at home, but if I did, they'd probably be like 5 dB louder. I don't know. It's just weird to me. You have to mute it. Why? Because they want their message to come across. And it's not that compelling of a message, so it has to be loud. Paul says, I'm eager. I just want to get this message out to you guys because when you hear it and when you understand it and when you receive it, you're going to be set free. Here's what he says. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. The good news of Jesus Christ, the idea that I was in sin, bound by my sin, without a relationship with Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ is that you can be set free from that. It's the power of God. Now listen, if you want Jesus to stay in your life, don't you normally want the other miracles that you kind of see in Luke? I want my fever done. I want my legs to be healed. I want my back to be fixed. I want all this kind of stuff. And Jesus is like, no, the miracle is the message. The, the miracle in our lives is the message of the gospel, the good news. Paul says it, it's the power of God unto salvation. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Later on um, in Luke, there's a story about Jesus. And he, they go up on this mountain with the disciples. And um, the, Jesus is praying, it says in Luke 9. And his face begins to change, which is just like a trip. And, and so his face begins to change and like begins to shine bright and all this stuff. And then, and then Elijah shows up and Moses shows up. And Peter's like, this is awesome. And Peter makes the statement, it's good for us to be here. 
it's good for us to be here. We're going to set up some tabernacles, some booths. We're going to hang out here and experience what, the, what now the Messiah is really showing his power. Now it's like really going to come to fruition. This is, going to, this is why I signed up, to see Jesus shining. It says his robe became like bright white and all this kind of stuff. If you and I were there, we would have done the same thing. Like this is what I'm talking about. And so this cloud comes down and, and they, then they start getting scared, you know. They, and it says that they went into the cloud, you know. And, you know, they go, they go into the cloud and they hear a voice from God, from their heavenly Father, from the one who created them. So here they are in probably the midst of one of the greatest displays of power you'll ever see happen with Jesus in your life. I don't think any of us have seen anything like that. And God wants to speak in that moment. You know what he says to them? He says, isn't Jesus awesome? No, he doesn't say that. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Don't watch him. Don't go, that's cool. Don't get all caught up in what you're seeing right now. Listen. Listen to the message. That's where you're going to find freedom. The gospel, the good news, the fact that you and I can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, that's the power of God. Now, can demons be cast out? Sure. Have I seen healings? Absolutely. What I love about the story of Jesus, there was no magic formula there was nothing he didn't say something three times and you know do an i dream a genie and then everything's fine it's just the power of the gospel what what we're going to do right now is the worship team comes back up i want you to begin to think about these messages that are in your life where do they come from do they come from your family so uh, someone from your past has something happened in your life a regret, where the message to you is, don't you ever talk about having a relationship with God. You've done too many bad things. That is not the message of the gospel. Is, is the message that you're hearing in your, in your head, well, when you get this all straightened out, this one area, and you know what that area is, when you kind of get that, then you can start to come to God. That's not the message of the gospel. It might be the loudest message in your head, but it's not the message of the gospel. Is a message in your head, man, when I get this promotion, then they'll see. Then they'll see I'm somebody. That's not the message of the gospel, although it might be the loudest message in your head. Maybe the message is, oh, if we don't do something about America, oh. that's not the message of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It brings hope and freedom and release and sight and hope and life.